Well, good morning. Oh, that's the way I like to hear it. That sun does it to you, doesn't it? Makes me feel good. I hope you all are feeling good today. It won't be long. It's going to be Halloween and Thanksgiving. About 12 minutes, it'll be Christmas. Seems like time goes faster all the time. I'm glad you all are here. Um, I think most all of us have been uh, exposed to the news a lot this week. Uh, I've received a lot of questions, and I'd like to deal with some of that today. Hamas and Israel. If you watch the TV news at all, you've heard about it. Uh, there's a battle going on in this little area here. I got outlined in red. You look at uh, you look at all the countries around Israel. Israel's like a little sliver, and then you look at all the countries that are around it. Most of them support uh, terrorism. That's what uh, Hamas is. The Arab states uh, give them money so that they can function. Uh, wherever they happen to be, they usually occupy uh, several different countries. Uh, they're all uh, Muslim. Uh, we also hear about Hezbollah uh, in Lebanon. Uh, you got uh, you got Hamas doing battle with Israel uh, in the Gaza Strip. Then you got Hezbollah trying to bomb Israel uh, from the north. Uh, a couple times they almost hit Tel Aviv, but uh, United States warships took out 15 drones and four missiles Saturday, and uh, they were unable to do what they intended to do. Iraq, you've got ISIS, and then of course you got Iran, who funds everything. They hate Israel. They hate the United States. And they're doing uh, whatever they can to create problems. But that's the other side of the world, isn't it? Not anymore. This is a group of uh, Arab students, uh, not just students, there's Arab people in general, who uh, were marching in Nashville, Tennessee, Saturday, October the 14th. But it wasn't just uh, Nashville where the people were marching. Uh, they were marching also in Memphis, in Knoxville, and Chattanooga, all the large cities in our state. As a matter of fact, some of them were going to march in Cookville, but uh, some guys from the Ku Klux Klan were up there standing around, and apparently uh, that march was canceled. I don't think there were too many people in the first place. But it, uh, it, it got a little heated there. You got Israel and uh, uh, Arabs. They're, they're fussing back and forth with one another down in Nashville. And in some cases, it got pretty intense. We always think about this stuff happening on the other side of the world. But now, here it is right here in our face, even in Cookville, Tennessee. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's kind of hard to digest uh, how how this uh, could possibly be happening. Uh, there's a, a number of reasons for it. I don't want to go into that because I got something else I want to talk about. 
Let's think for just a moment about what's going on over in the Middle East. You got the Gaza Strip where um, uh, some terrorists slaughtered people uh, in a few villages there. The things they did, unimaginable. Uh, the very idea that people in the United States are protesting on behalf of Hamas, it just blows my mind when you look at what they did. In one place, uh, there were 40 babies that were murdered, and uh, they were decapitated, and they were piled in a pile. It was horrible what happened. But you got battle going on in the Gaza Strip. You got uh, battles taking place in the West Bank. West Bank, uh, you got uh, you got the Arab population and the Israel Israelite population. They're Jew, and uh, they're living not really amongst one another. One group occupies one place, the other the other. But there's uh, skirmishes taking place there too. There's been some. Uh, some uh, missiles launched uh, from the West Bank. And then, of course, you got coming down from Les uh, Lebanon, Hezbollah is trying to attack uh, Israel. And then, of course, Iran, Iran, Iran has been a thorn in the side of our country for years and years. And you wonder sometimes, you wonder how in the world does Israel survive? How can they stay alive? It's just amazing to think about, really. A lot of people draw the conclusion that's because God keeps them there. God protects them. They are God's people. That's, uh, that's the thought that many people have today in the denominational world. Now, we know that's not the case. We know that Jesus, <clears throat> uh, the last day he was at the temple, he made it crystal clear to the scribes, the Pharisees, and the hypocrites that uh, the Lord God was finished with them, Israel. And then when the, the veil of the temple was rent from heaven to earth, it was more than a little bit obvious that Israel was no longer God's people. The law of God was nailed to the cross, according to Paul the Apostle. And there was a new Israel, spiritual Israel as opposed to the old Israel they survive and I think it's an amazing thing that they survive but it's not because they are God's people because you are God's people the church that Jesus died for is God's people I think the Israelites are just tough very tough but what we have here is a contest between the Arab and the Jew. I want to go back to the beginning and see how it all came about. And we have to go back and begin with Abraham. In the Bible, Abraham, next to the Lord Jesus Christ, is probably the most celebrated person in the scriptures. Uh, he played a very important role uh, in the history, not only of the Israelites, but also of us. Uh, he played a very important role when it came to you and I. It was Abraham who received the divine promise. God said, I will make you a great nation, Abraham. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, Abraham. 
I will curse him who curses you. And in you, Abraham, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And that, of course, was the advent of Jesus Christ, a direct descendant of Abraham. Abraham, he began uh, his journey in Babylon, Mesopotamia, the land of the Chaldeans, whatever you want to call it. Uh, he grew up, he lived in a town uh, called Ur. He was living there at the age of 70, and the Lord called out to Abraham, Get out of your country from your relatives. Come to a land that I will show you, Abraham. Acts 7 and verse 3. Why did he get out of his land? Well, I think we're told by Joshua chapter 24 and verse 2. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers, speaking to Abraham, including Terah, the father of Abraham, and the father of Nahor, Abraham's brother, they dwelt on the other side of the river in old times, and they served other gods. Abraham lived in the land of the Chaldeans in a place called Ur, but it appears that the people there were given to idolatry. Now, the Lord knew Abraham, good man. He knew he was a good man, but he was raised in the midst of idolatry. He had no exposure to Jehovah, all he knew was what he was taught as a young man and now as a man at the age of 70. So the Lord wanted to save Abraham. And in order to do that, Abraham was going to have to leave his family. He had to get away from his family because they had too much of an influence over him. And that's what he did. He left as he was instructed he went northwest, he came to Haran, and there he put down roots. It appears that Abraham intended to stay there because he stayed there for five years. And during that five years, his daddy, Terah, died. Abraham had taken him with him, but now he buried him there. Abraham now is 75 years old. The Lord called out to Abraham again a second time. The Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country, away from your family and from your father's house and go into a land that I will show you. He wanted Abraham to be away from the land of the Chaldeans, a land given to idolatry. So Abraham traveled southwest. He came to a place called Shechem. And when he was there at Shechem, the Lord spoke to him again. The Lord appeared to Abram and he said, To your descendants I will give this land. Well, we learn later that he's talking about all the land from Dan to Beersheba. This was going to be the land given to Abraham and to his descendants. And there Abraham built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. <clears throat> A federation of pagan kings swept through southern Palestine. They came down to create havoc, to hurt people, to take people as slaves, to take their property. 
and then they traveled back up north. Abraham lived there and over by the Dead Sea in a city called Sodom. Uh, Lot, his nephew, lived. And both of them were becoming quite wealthy. They were both in the uh, stock business. Well, when they came through, these four kings came down from the north. They took Lot, among others. But they took the nephew of Abraham. And Abraham was not going to let that stand. He had 318 able-bodied men that were born into his household. He took those men and he went north. And he found the kings. He did battle. He took what they had taken. He brought it back down to the place where he lived. After these things, the word of the Lord come to Abraham in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Do not be afraid. Why would God say that to him? I thought a lot about it over the years, and personally my opinion is that Abraham went north and he fought those kings and their armies, and he was successful. He beat them. But there was perhaps a chance that they may enlarge their army by enlisting more people, and he might come back down to where Abraham lived and punish Abraham for what he had done. If so, the Lord said, do not be afraid, Abraham. Do not be afraid what you think might happen. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? Abraham may have been thinking about death. He, uh, he anticipated the possibility of those kings coming back down and punishing him for what he did. And if they did, there was, of course, the possibility that he might die. And he got to thinking about all of his property. He had all these people that worked for him. He had all this livestock. He had all this land. But he didn't have any children. And he's asking God, who will be my heir? And he thought of Eliezer, who was born in his household, a faithful man, a man who had assumed a great deal of responsibility. Abraham said, this man can be my heir. In addition to the properties that Abraham would leave Eliezer, there was the promises that God had made to Abraham. Those promises would be transferred to his heir about all the world being blessed through the seed of Abraham, about the land promise, about the population promise. And this was not what God had in mind. And behold, the word of the Lord came to Abraham, saying, This one, Eliezer, this one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body. He shall be your heir. Now, the best I can tell, Abraham's probably 
79, 80, 81 years old at this time. And God tells him he's going to have a child. He hasn't had a child thus far, but the Lord said you will have a child. And that child that you have, you 80-year-old man, that child will be your heir. And Abraham believed in the Lord, and God accounted it to him, charged to his account for righteousness. He was a righteous man, a man who listened and believed God. Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She's about 75 at this time. Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar, or Hagar, however you want to say it. So Sarai said to Abram, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. You got a problem. The Lord said, you're going to have a child, Abraham. But it seems obvious that he's not going to let me bear any children. I'm 75 years old. I've never had a child. How's the Lord going to get Abraham a child? Well, Sarah come up with an idea. The Lord was in, in a pickle. In her mind, he made a promise to Abraham that he would have a child, but Abraham wasn't going to be able to fulfill that promise. And God's promise would fail. And Sarah, I couldn't have that. So she came up with an idea. Please, Abraham, go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. She had doubts about the promises of God. And apparently Abraham did also because Abraham heeded the voice of Sarai. He wasn't supposed to do that. He wasn't supposed to be with this woman. He had a wife, but apparently he agreed with Sarah that the Lord was between a hard place and a rock and they needed to do something to help him out. So they did. Abraham listened to his wife. He went to Hagar and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. It was a good plan until Hagar conceived. And then the two women became bitter enemies. Hagar resented Sarah because she's the one giving Abraham a child. Sarah regretted Hagar because she's the one giving Abraham a child instead of her, his wife. And they detested each other. So Hagar ran off. She knew she's in big trouble. So she ran off. She was going somewhere else, perhaps back to her homeland. Then an angel of the Lord, as she sat by a pool of water, resting. Angel of the Lord. Notice the capital A on angel. This is the Lord Jesus, according to the Hebrew text. Presented as an angel or messenger. 
That's what the word angel meant. He's presented to her and telling her what's going to happen. Hagar, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly so that they shall not be counted for a multitude. Your descendants are going to become so thick, it's going to be like the stars of heaven. You're not going to be able to count them. The angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are with child. You shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael. He shall be a wild man. His hand shall be against every man, and every man's hand against him. He shall dwell in the presence of all of his brethren. Now Abram was 99 years old when the Lord came back and appeared to him again. See, that makes Ishmael 13. When Sarah will conceive, 14. When his half-brother is going to be born. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name now will be Abraham. Why? Because I have made you a father of many nations. Many nations are going to be descendants of Abraham. He's going to populate the world in a mighty way. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. The Lord's going to have a hand in it. He's going to multiply the number of births over and above what's normal. I will make nations, notice the plural, I will make nations out of you, Abraham. Ishmael is going to become a very, very powerful empire, and kings shall come from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you, Abram, and your descendants after you. The promise is to Abraham, and then it's going to be transferred to his heir, then to his heir, then to his heir. It will be an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. Also, I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger. All the land of Canaan will be an everlasting possession and I will be their God. I want to take a pause just for a moment because this is one of the reasons why we see all the problems that's going on in the Middle East now. It's because of a belief that many Protestant denominationalists have. Notice what God said to Abraham. This covenant that I'm, I'm making with you and then with your descendants. It'll be an everlasting covenant, never end. The land will be an everlasting possession. The reason Israel occupies the land in Palestine today is because a combined effort of the United States, France, and Great Britain after World War II, they believed that this promise that God made to Abraham needed to be fulfilled. So the Palestinians occupied the land over there that we call Canaan. But our leaders decided the land rightly belongs to Israel. So they went in 
and they removed the Palestinians. They took them out of their houses, took them out of their schools, took them out of their synagogues, took them out of their factories, and they shoved them in with the other population of the Hebrews. And then they brought the Jewish people in and they set them down in Palestine. Today, a Palestinian can sit up on a hill and he can look down and see his mama and daddy's house. That's the house I was raised in, kids. But he sees a Jewish family living there now. They can look at a lot of things because it was once their land, but now it's not because the United States gave it to Israel and they don't like it and they get angry and they fight. It's all because God said this is an everlasting possession. Now Bible students know that God's promises are always conditional. God will say, if you do this, I will do that. And if you do this, then I will do that. God made a lot of covenants with people, but there was always a condition that if you disregard me, if you disobey me, the covenant will not stand any longer. And that's what happened to Israel. Jesus said, behold, your house is left to you desolate. Then shortly after they crucified him. What did he mean by that? God was no longer there. God was no longer with Israel. The covenant had been broken. And the promises had come to an end. Just as the Lord said they would. Then God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, I will bless her and also give you a son by her. I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be from her. Now Sarai's name was also changed to Sarah. Abraham's 99 years old. That makes Sarah 89 years old. And Sarah conceived. Abraham fell on his face and he started laughing. He said in his heart, shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? And shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. He loved Ishmael very much. He wanted Ishmael to receive the blessing. He apparently didn't think him and Sarah would have a child. And he's begging him, O oh Lord, let Ishmael be the recipient of the divine promise. This is at least what he's asking for. But God said, no, Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son. You shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him, Isaac, for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants that come after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. I know you love him. I know you want what's best for him. 
I know you want him to be taken care of. I have heard you, Abraham. Behold, I have blessed Ishmael, and I will make him fruitful. I will multiply him exceedingly also. He shall beget twelve princes, and I will make him a great nation. Actually, he became twelve nations. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, not Ishmael. It's got to be with Isaac, the child of promise. And the Lord visited Sarah just as he said he would. And the Lord did for Sarah just as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived, and nine months later she bore Abraham a son. And Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. Now Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. So the child grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast on the same day that Isaac was weaned. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, scoffing one woman against the other, one son better than the other. And therefore, Sarah said to Abraham, cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, namely with Isaac. I don't want to hear. Get rid of her and that 13-year-old son he's got, she's got, maybe 14 at this time. Abraham, you're breaking my heart. You're breaking my heart. You want me to get rid of my son? You want me to put my son on the road? I may never see him again. He doesn't want to do this, but the Lord spoke to him. The matter was very displeasing in Abraham's sight because of his son. But God said to Abraham, do not let it be displeasing in your sight because of the lad or because of your bondwoman. Whatever Sarah has said to you, listen to her voice and do it. For in Isaac, your seed shall be called. It's already set in stone, Abraham. Isaac is the child of promise. Isaac is the son who will receive the blessing. Yet I will also make a nation of the son of the bondwoman. Because Ishmael is your seed, and because he is your seed, I will bless him, just like I'm going to bless Isaac. Both will become great and mighty nations. Well, Sarah died. Isaac was about 37 years old when his mama died. And Abraham again took a wife. And her name was Keturah. And she bore Abraham six sons, Zimran, Jokshan, Medan, Midian, Ishbak, and Shua. And Abraham gave all that he had to Isaac. But Abraham, he gave gifts to the sons of his concubines, which Abraham had. And while he was still living, he sent them eastward, back over to the land of the Chaldeans, away from Isaac, his son, to the country of the east. He didn't want any friction because Isaac was going to inherit it all. 
Abraham and Sarah is who we begin with. Eliezer, servant of Abraham, he'll be my heir. Abraham's about 79, 80, 81 year old. He's got to have an heir. He doesn't have a child. How about Eliezer, Lord? And the Lord said, no. Well, Sarah came up with an idea. She knew how to get the Lord out of a difficulty. So she offered up Hagar to Abraham. Sarah said to Abram, see now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. So Hagar became a concubine to Abraham. And Abraham heeded the voice of Sarai. He went into her and she conceived. He went into Hagar, she conceived, and when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. They hated each other. Keep that in mind. These two women hated each other. Look at what you see on the TV. Look at what's going on on the TV. It began with two women who hated each other. And it's been passed down for 4,000 years. It's the longest running family feud I know about. Much, much longer than the Hatfields and McCoys. We got a battle between two women, Hagar and Sarah. And it was a tough battle. Hagar had a son, Ishmael. He will be a wild man. Look at the description of this guy. God's telling them what he's going to be like. He's going to be a wild man. His hand shall be against every man. He's going to, he's going to fight the whole world. And every man's hand will be against him. He shall dwell in the presence of his brethren. Even though his hand is going to be against all and they're going to be against him, he doesn't leave the area. He stays there. He lives there in the midst of his own brethren. And he becomes a, a wild man. He becomes a big problem for all the inhabitants of the land of Palestine. <clears throat> Abraham and Sarah bore a son. His name was Isaac. Sarah died. As I said, Isaac was about 37 when she died. Abraham took a wife. The woman's name was Keturah. She gave him six sons, Zimram, Jokshan, Medan, Midian, Ishbak, and Shua. What we're looking at thus far is Ishmael is the father of the Arab nations. Twelve princes in all was the beginning. Isaac had two boys. One was Jacob, whose name was later changed to Israel and his brother Esau, a tough man, an outdoor man, a very strong man. And from Isaac through Jacob came the 12 patriarchs constituting the 12 tribes of Israel. There were 12 princes among the Arabs. There are 12 princes among the Israelites.
The Midianites became the largest of all these other tribes. Most of these other tribes blended in with the Midianites, and Midian became a, a very large and powerful nation. What I want you to see at this point is look at little Israel. Now, at first, all these people weren't their enemies. For example, Ishmael, he wasn't an enemy to Isaac. He got over his mat on, and everything was okay. Ishmael was present when they buried their father, Abraham. The two men apparently got along very well. Jacob and Esau, they too kissed and made up after they had an explosion. And they became friends to one another. Jacob even gave Esau many gifts when he returned home. But it was only a couple hundred years. And all of a sudden, what you're saying, remember, this is about 1800 BC. What you're looking at is little Israel surrounded by all these other nations. And they don't get along. It started with two women. It expanded to their families. And it's continued through the years even to this very day. Sarah tried to get the Lord out of a great difficulty. God's way wasn't the best way. She knew a better way. You can have a child with my handmaid. And it created war in the world for many, many years. Today, we still see war in that part of the world. A lot of different reasons now. But at the root of it all is that both groups claim their rights to Abraham. The Muslim world today claiming to be descendants of Abraham, which they are, they claim to be child of promise. Israel does the same thing. The lesson we learn is just trust God's way. It's amazing. It's amazing how much, how much problems can be created when we think we can come up with a better way than God's way. Sarah was just trying to help the Lord. But the problem was she didn't believe the Lord's way was the necessary way. And the world has experienced shock ever since. If we learn anything from this story of Abraham, we ought to learn the importance of doing the will of God. Regardless of what it is, just doing the will of God, that all things may be well. Perhaps if they had done this 4,000 years ago, the world wouldn't be on the verge of World War III right now. It's very sad to think about. If you're here today, if you're not a 
a Christian. We, we are here to become Christians. We are here to become acquainted with God, to find out who he is, what he's like, get close to him, become his son or daughter, and let him be our father. That's why we're here. This whole thing of life, that's what it's all about. All the stuff we do, we got to do because it's necessary. But all the stuff we do isn't what life's about. Life's about you and God. That's what life's about. One day, we will all die. And when we die, we're going to stand before God, the Lord Jesus Christ, and we're going to have to give an account of the lives we've lived. Either we followed the steps of Jesus or we haven't. Every day, every day, many, many, many people die. And most are not prepared to live with, with God. That, that can't happen to us because we'll do better.